0: Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the death, resurrection, and ascension of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, and that in that he sent the Holy Spirit upon his church to be a helper and a reminder to us of all that you have done for us. May our hearts and minds be ever conformed to the will of the Spirit that in all we do we would glorify you. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. So I think you heard JP as he went back. He said, it's not the age, it's the mileage. (laughs) And that actually fits really well. So thank you. (laughs) If Just when you look back at your life, if you're anything like me, you may look back and be like, I did really good with that thing. Or be like, I didn't do so great there. And maybe you feel shame about that, that thing that you didn't do great with. Or perhaps you just feel bad. Or then you see some sin, some way that you treated a friend poorly, or your spouse poorly, or even a way that you rebelled against God. But then you can also look back at your life and see what God has done for you. Those places where you did rebel against God, but he said, my child, come home. I love you. You are mine. Or perhaps those places where you hurt somebody and you felt compelled by God to say, you know, I'm so sorry I said those words. They were said in haste, please forgive me. Or that shame which has been covered by the cross of Christ. Or that in those moments that you did good, You also saw how God directed you through those. We can look back at our life and remember these things which the Lord has done through us and for us. And there's a certain staying power in that. And of course, it acts to humble us. It acts to remind us of, hey, I'm not always perfect. In fact, I'm very often not perfect. And hey, look at how God has still seen me through all of that and all that the Lord has done for me. This morning, Jesus says to the disciples, when the helper comes, whom I will send from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he promises the coming of the paraclete, or the Holy Spirit. I don't often like to use the Greek words, but in fact, we use this Greek word, in certain of our worship songs, and we may even sing it next week, when we remember and praise the Holy Spirit in the name which Jesus uses in this passage and several others, which is that of the paraclete. But the word paraclete is a bit odd, and translators have struggled to figure out exactly how to really capture what this means. The King James, of course, remembers him as the comforter, but that quite misses what's being talked about. The translation we use in our church, the ESV, captures it as the helper, and that becomes much closer. Other translators have said it's the advocate, and that's perhaps the best, especially in this case, where he says the advocate comes, and in this the Trinity works to tell us the truth. The advocate, the Holy Spirit, comes out of the Father and is sent by the Son, and each person of the Trinity co-equal works to direct us and guide us and testify to who Christ is. And of course, this paraclete, this helper, is that Holy Spirit, that third person of the Trinity. And we'll go into a lot more detail about the Trinity or the Holy Spirit next week as we remember his giving to the church, the empowering of the church through the Holy Spirit. But nonetheless, he is important in his working in the church, And in this passage, he's called the spirit of truth, which kind of caught me as interesting when I was reading it earlier this week. Because often you see that the Holy Spirit referred to, the spirit of holiness, which comes from God. But this one was interesting. Because the spirit is the spirit that convicts of truth. The spirit is the spirit which points us to that which is true above all else. In the spirit of God, There is no lie. And that spirit is given to us. And it invites us to act in humility. Because we aren't the spirit of truth. We provide truth because the spirit is in us. We know truth because the spirit has convicted us of that truth. We know truth because through the word of God, God has spoken to us. And this invites us into that humility. Some time ago, I was watching a video of a of a pastor, and he raised up this like three inch three ring binder. Have you seen those? I have a few of old sermons and stuff, and you know it's amazing how quickly they fill up and he's like, "This is everything God has said to me And I was horrified, and I was like, well, this is everything God said to me that I can say definitively. This is what God has said to me. And so when we feel like the Spirit is directing us, it's an invitation not to pride, not to be like, look what God has told me, but to humility. Because yes, there'll be times where you're like, hey, I really should encourage my friend that's sitting next to me this morning. He looks sad. It could be the Spirit." Or your friend could just be tired and be like, thanks for the pat on the back. That was, that was nice. <laughs> you could feel like, hey, I really need to talk to my friend about this sin that they're having. And I've had these conversations where I felt overwhelming that I need to talk to this friend about it. And some of them have gone really well and the friend was like, hey, I'm so glad you brought that up to me. And I'm pretty sure that that was the spirit encouraging me to hey, say, hey, you need to talk to this friend. Then I've had others where they've just blown up in my face and perhaps that person was so deep in rebellion that they just kept running or perhaps I just was in my own pride wanting to do something that I thought was good that wasn't. And so when we feel this working of the spirit, when we feel this working of the truth, we check it against the word of God first and foremost but then we proceed in humility, not pride, not filling a giant notebook of hey, these are the things Jesus said to me personally, but instead saying, hey, this could be something that I need to talk to a friend about, or this could be something that I just need to let slide. But the point of the Spirit coming in this passage is that the Spirit testifies. The Spirit testifies to us, and the Spirit testifies to the world about the nature of who god is about the nature of who christ is and what he has done for the world christ says he bears witness about me he bears witness about me and then he proceeds to say and you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning it's a duality right the spirit testifies and then we testify J.I. Packer wrote this little book as he kind of wrestled with the idea of God's sovereignty and the fact that we're called to evangelize the world. And because people sometimes tend to get into their little bubbles, especially when they start to have a higher view of the sovereignty of God, be like, well, I don't need to evangelize because God knows who's chosen and not chosen. Therefore, I can just sit here and twiddle my thumbs and do nothing. And J.I. Packer goes, no. No, your call is to evangelize because you don't know who God is working in. Our call is simply to go out and testify what Christ has done for us in this world. And God does the rest. The Holy Spirit is already testifying to those in the world. And so too, we are to testify. Because we don't know what is going on in anybody else's lives, save but our own. But why why do we testify beyond that? First, he unpacks that in verse 1. I have said these things to you to keep you from falling away. By remembering, by sharing, by telling people what God has done in your lives and in the lives of others, you may very well encourage somebody who is struggling today or tomorrow or this week. You may very well encourage them to keep running the race that is set before them when they've become weary. So we testify to one another, these are the good things that God has done. Help us to remember them. And in the same way, it reminds us of Psalm 36, which reminds us of God's steadfast love. It starts out with, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords Lord, for his steadfast love endures forever. He proceeds to start to spell out how God has created the world. To him alone does great wonders, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him, by who, who by understanding made the heavens, for his steadfast love endures forever. And then the psalmist moves on and tells about how he provided for Israel in their escape from Egypt. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt, the psalmist write, his steadfast love endures forever and brought Israel Israel out from among them for his steadfast love endures forever. And then he remembers how he's acted the, in the ages of the king. To him who struck down great kings, for his steadfast love endures forever. And finally, the psalmist remembers what he's done for him personally. It is he who remembered us in our low estate, for his steadfast love endures forever. And rescued us from our foes for his steadfast love endures forever he who gave food to all flesh for his steadfast love endures forever give thanks to the god of heavens for his steadfast love endures forever we remember and then testify because it encourages us just as this psalm was used to encourage one another to continue to press on because god's steadfast love endures forever but it's also a fulfilling of the great commission jesus says as he's about to ascend into heaven to the disciples go therefore make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit teaching them to observe all that i have commanded you and behold i am with you always until the end of the ages Jesus sends us out into our community and into the world to make his name known. And we're reminded of how important this is. A few weeks ago, a poll came out that was rather interesting. And I found it, I think probably some of you will find it just completely discouraging. But I found it both heartbreaking and discouraging, but also encouraging. And that poll said that from 2000, 70% of Americans were members of some sort of church. In 2020, that number dropped dramatically to 47%. And this is discouraging, so don't hear me kind of downplaying that. It is discouraging, especially when you've had friends that are among that 23 or so percent who have left the church. That's very heartbreaking to watch happen. But it's also encouraging because you know the people that have remained in church want to be there because they love Jesus. They're not there because it's something to do on Sunday. As I was driving in, I saw a couple things that kind of looked fun. There were some people going out in their trucks with their razors, I think they're called. called—they're Those loud vehicles that I really detest um, to, to drive around on the dirt roads. I was like, well, that kind of actually looks like a fun thing to do this morning. And then there was like a car party festival thing where people look at old cars and look at, that's not actually my thing, but I could see why people would enjoy that. Um, and I know some of you do, so I'm not saying that's bad. Um, but there are lots of fun things to do on a Sunday morning that isn't being in church. And so the fact that 47% remain, I think a lot, most of that 47% are the people that want to be there because they love Jesus which means it's that much more clear who in the world we need to be testifying to, who we need to be saying, hey, look, I know you once came to church and you don't anymore. I want to tell you what Jesus has done in my life lately. I want to tell you what Jesus has done in the church lately or in the past or in the world. He's the creator of heaven and earth after all. Let me tell you about him. I want to challenge you this week to start with that sort of exercise that we began with and look at what Jesus has done in your life, the sins that he's forgiven you, what, how he's redeemed you, how he's been glorified through your life and make some notes about this and maybe make some notes about what Jesus did in the church and through the church throughout the world. Make some notes about what you know about what God has done to his people and through his people through the word of God and then pray and see if there's somebody, maybe even just your spouse, To say, hey, these are the things that Jesus has done for me. And maybe, just maybe, that will encourage somebody this week. So that's your your homework for the week. But then Jesus kind of flips and has a warning. Despite all this, despite the Spirit testifying concerning him, despite his disciples testifying him, persecution is going to come. And he writes, they will put you out of the synagogue. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service of God. And it was funny, earlier this year, I, I was learning about St. Paul, and he writes about how he five times he received lashes, less one less than 40. It's weirdly worded, but it's intentionally worded that way because that was the punishment for those who rebelled against the synagogue to take in order to remain in the synagogue. So five times he received these lashings so that he could remain a member in good standing of the synagogue and continue to preach in the synagogue. But I kind of forgot the backstory of Paul, right? Like if hopefully most of us know that backstory, he was kind of known as Saul and he ran around the Judea punishing the church, stoning the church. And he thought that he was doing service to God till God knocked him down on the path and said to him, why are you persecuting me? And so there's a duality there, right? Like he was, they tried to put him out of the synagogue, but he took the punishment so he didn't have to be put out of the synagogue yet. But he also thought that he was doing good by punishing the Christians until he met Jesus. And then he was on fire for Jesus and one of the greatest apostles for Jesus. But persecution has always come upon the church and eventually the synagogue and the church went their separate ways they were in fact put out of the synagogue though early it was sort of intermingled and then if we look back we see that persecution so often comes from within the church some of the cruelest things that have been said to me have been said within the church or perhaps we think of Cramner who at his burning at his execution a sermon was preached Persecution does in fact come from within the church, but it comes from without. But one of the things I've noticed that when somebody persecutes somebody else, they don't do it because they think that this is a terrible thing to do. They do it because they think it's a good thing to do. They think that they are doing good in the world. I was thinking about Marx in Russia, right? Like he thought he was doing a good thing. We can look back and be like, that was truly wicked. But what he thought was, no, this is going to bring prosperity to the poor people. This is going to be a really great thing. But it was evil. And so why do I share all of this? It's because people think they do good, but it's done in ignorance. And this is, of course, what Jesus says, right? And they will come and do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. So these people think they're doing good, but it's not good. And I, don't, I think so often it drives us to this like righteous indignation. Like, how dare they do this to me? I always kind of thought that was a strange reaction. I think it should drive us to pity and to prayer. Drive us to pray for them. Because they do these things in ignorance. They don't do these things because they, they think that like they're being bad and therefore they want to be worse. But rather pray for them. Pray for their repentance. Pray that they would know him. Pray for them continuously. And in your own life, continue to pursue Christ in that. Pursue him deeply so that you can rest in him even if the world around you mocks you and says that this is stupid and terrible. And then preach Christ crucified. Preach him again and again and again, no matter the cost. And rest in that peace which Christ has given you in that. Because yes, the world will persecute you. There will be times that are hard. There will be pain. There will be people that say, you're stupid or bigoted or foolish for loving and following Jesus. But it's okay. You still have Jesus in that. So pray for that person. I keep a little book of my prayers and I write down the things that I, I need to pray for, like, especially like the things that I get really stressed out about or things that I see around the church that, that need to be resolved or, or different things. And I, I try and remember to pray for them regularly, daily, if I'm, I'm being good, you know, several times a week if I'm being a slacker. <clears throat> and in that prayer list, there are several people who have done things that have hurt me. And I realized I need to be praying for those people because I don't think they were trying to be vicious or unkind. They just thought they were looking out for themselves. And sometimes I'm like, I don't want to pray for that person. They're a jerk. I'm like, oh yeah, no, I need to pray for them. I especially need to pray for them when I think they're a jerk. The only reason I tell you this is not because I'm somehow amazing. It's, it's because I too struggle with that, that righteous indignation when the world around me does things that I don't like. But remember to pray for those people. And then he ends this passage with this. I have said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. It's a call to remember God's faithfulness. The Holy Spirit testifies to us, remember, but likewise, We are called to remember, to testify one to another what God has done for us in our lives, to testify to ourselves, to remember God's goodness in our lives, and to testify to the world, the world that is in so much desperate need of Jesus, of his goodness, of his grace, and his mercy. And so remember, 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 for God's love endures